presented by the American Petroleum Institute. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. It's Monday, August 21st. Here's what's driving the day and really the week. It's largely going to be about Donald Trump watch, what he's going to do and when. First, he has until the 25th to turn himself into Fulton County after being indicted last week. That is Friday. He says that he is going to be skipping the first debate and also all of the debates. We'll have to see if that actually holds. He's known for changing his mind on, on things like this. As counter-programming on Wednesday on the debate stage while everyone else is beating each other up, he'll be sitting down with Tucker Carlson. And we're on debate watch. We are continuing to see who of the candidates that are left who haven't made the debate stage might actually get a chance to take on everyone but Donald Trump. So far, we have Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Chris Christie, Doug Burgum, Asa Hutchinson, and Perry Johnson. And recently, I sat down with Vice President Kamala Harris to talk to her about a bunch of different things. But essentially, what we were trying to do in the story that posted this morning and is at the top of Playbook right now is trying to get into Kamala Harris's head in this moment. She's been vice president for more than two and a half years. She has had, at times, a tough go at it. I also went to Chicago with her to see if it was true what her aides and allies have always said, which is there is the Kamala Harris that they know, that they see behind the scenes, and the one that DC has, that the vice president has had for a while, a perception problem and not a talent problem. Welcome, 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 come, 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 come. And something that her aides and allies and even some of her detractors will admit now is that they feel like the last eight months have looked and felt differently. And so here are three things that stood out to me from our interview. First is how she views the scrutiny that she gets. She obviously is someone who gets a big old packet of, of news clips every single day. All of the things that people are writing and saying about her and has for years at this point. And this is what she had to say. I'm not going to be distracted from my priority around maternal health. I'm not going to be distracted around my long-standing commitment to support small businesses, knowing that so many, especially minority and women-owned, don't have access to capital, and I'm going to increase that. I'm not going to be distracted from an issue like traveling the country on because the, the highest court of our land just took a constitutional right. That's what I mean. Otherwise, that stuff will get in your head and debilitate you. That's about as far as Vice President Harris has ever gone in talking about the scrutiny, I will say. So that was one of the things that was surprising for her to be a little bit more introspective than, than we're used to. The second thing is really, I just wanted to see if she agreed that the last six or eight months of her vice presidency looked or felt different. You know, aides and allies have said that to me over and over and over again. And I wanted to know if she agreed. And, and here's what she had to say. You could have followed me around. In Iowa, you would have seen the same thing four years ago. <laughs> it's always who I've been. So, I, you know, I, don't, I, I can't get into people's heads about why they characterize things as being one way or another. It's not as though I've just found myself. I've always been here. <laughs> Never went away. And one more takeaway that I had is, you know, we had never really heard Vice President Harris talk about how she viewed the vice presidency. What did she see her role as 
And one thing that Ron Klain, the former chief of staff at the White House, told me is that she sees part of her job as making sure bullshit doesn't get into the Oval Office. His words, not mine. Um, the current chief of staff, Jeff Zients, also agreed. So I was curious if what she thought about that. I have a very keen and very deep sense of, of understanding the significance and the weight of the decisions that the president must make. I have a very good sense of it. And, and it is important to me as a partner to the president that when, when I'm there and when we're getting briefed on something that every aspect of it is made clear in that room and that people aren't sugarcoating something for the sake of, I don't know what, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. For that story, you can head to Politico.com right now. It's on the homepage. Take a look. Let us know what you think. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. There's a lot more to the interview than what I just told you guys. And for your schedule today, President Joe Biden is in Hawaii. He will be touring some of the devastation there as that state tries to rebound after the horrible and horrific wildfires that have been happening there. There are still hundreds of people missing. And so aides say what we'll see President Biden do is what they think he does best, which is be that consoler in chief. And that will take up all of his day. And the Senate and the House are still out. I'm Eugene Daniels. Thanks for listening. Americans count on oil and natural gas. Made, moved, and improved by nearly 11 million workers and suppliers in all 50 states contributing trillions to communities and the U.S. economy. From Pennsylvania to California, America's natural gas and oil workforce strengthens our nation. Our economic outlook is brighter when we lead on energy, with Washington policies that encourage American energy investment and development.